Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 124. We have four amazing instructional coaches on today talking all about STEM education and how we can use our coaching duties to help out teachers in science, technology, engineering, math, doing some amazing things, especially during hybrid learning. Of course, I want to bring on today my co-host, Miss Susan Vincent. Sue, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. I am great as usual, hanging in there. And, you know, I was having a conversation with our superintendent today in a meeting. It is 10 days until February, he mentioned. It is. And we're it's plugging amazing, along. isn't it? And you know what I'm excited about? I'm excited about two things. Number one, your website looks awesome, doesn't it? I, I am so excited. I'm so proud of it. Yeah, if, I could, if I do say so myself. And, and there's, there's something new on that website. People who have been a follower of Ask the Tech Coach, people who have been a subscriber to Ask the Tech Coach might have woken up this week and looked at their podcast player and seen something just a little different. So what, what happened this week? I'm, I'm excited about this. I don't know. There's two people in that picture instead of just one, I believe. We updated our podcast square. I know it's been a while. It should have happened earlier. I admit it should have happened earlier, but we have a great new outlook on things. Uh, we're, we're making sure that Tech Imaginations is going to be all over TeacherCast, and we're going to be able to create some great content for you guys. Check out all the great stuff over for this episode and more over at askthetechcoach.com. And, of course, we also are, are very, very uh, looking forward to seeing what's happening over at techimaginations.net. Lots of great stuff. And we hope that you guys have a chance to check out everything. And if you guys would like to be featured on the show, please come on the show. We'd love to hear about you and your program. And that brings us to our great co-hosts for today. I want to bring on Miss Lindsay Simpson. Lindsay, how are you today? Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm doing wonderful. I'm excited to be here. I am so excited to have you here. Uh, talk to us a little bit about yourself. So I am a STEAM and instructional technology specialist for my building. It's a very small rural building, about 500 students in total, and I service all of them. So I get the pleasure of playing with the three-year-olds and studying with the seniors. And on top of doing all of that, you and I also have a few other things in common. Talk to us a little bit about uh, some of the things that you do on the microphone these days. Yeah, so I had the pleasure of podcasting. Um, I have a few shows out there. Uh, the Next Step EDU with my co-host, Caitlin Bowen, and two instructional coaches just sharing out our experiences. However, I also just started my own solo act, uh, Behind the Chalk, where I explore education from all levels, uh, experiences, and research experiences. Uh, Exploring educators, not only from the elementary and high school world, but also higher education. It is so nice to have you. Your, awesome. your, your websites look great. Your podcasts look amazing. And I also want to bring on another coach for STEM education, somebody who I have the pleasure of working with each and every single day. 
Amy Fusarelli. Amy, how are you today? I am great. Thank you for having me. It is great to have you on here. Of course, Amy and I have been uh, colleagues for the last uh, year and a half, two, two, <laughs> two years. Uh, Amy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, this is my 26th year of teaching, uh, all in middle school. And um, I've been teaching science for many, many years. And then the last four years, I was teaching um, middle school science, I mean, middle school math. Um, and then just this year, uh, about I'm on my third week of uh, my new position of an instructional coach for digital learning. And so besides learning all new kinds of digital tools. Um, I also am excited that I've also been placed in a STEAM school and I am looking to be part of integrating technology. And I'm so excited for Lindsay to, and to hear from you, Lindsay, because um, I, there's a lot I need to learn. And so today, let's talk all about this. And if you're out there as a coach, let us know that you're out there, especially if you're working in a STEAM, STEM, STREAM. Uh, are there other acronyms out there? If you have an acronym for STEM education, we'd love to hear from that. You can, of course, uh, use our hashtag or tweet us over at Ask the Tech Coach on Twitter. Um, let's get right down to this here. Uh, Lindsay, STEM coaching, any different than math coaching, reading coaching, 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 is there any, what is it about STEM coaching that just seems so much fun? Well, I, I, so our acronym at my school is STEAM, and we're very passionate about that arts being in there. Uh, but I do think that it can be a little bit different from other coaching because we like to say it's where all of the content areas come to play. And so you have to have some knowledge, at least a little bit, of all the different content areas so I tend to attend a lot of department meetings and I go to a lot of curriculum trainings and I try to make myself aware as much as possible of the priority standards at every level so that I can um, have a pulse on what people are doing and where I can bring together people for collaboration. So I love, what different. You just said. I love what you just said where all the content areas come to play. I've never thought of it that way. So how do you use that mantra and get the teachers buy-in or administrative buy-in? You may be in a STEM school already, but getting that buy-in of not thinking, oh, we're just bringing the kids in here to play. How do you bring that content and the play together? So we are on our eighth year of our journey with STEAM in my building, and it started in the elementary. So each area of the building is in a different level of understanding and learning as educators. So our elementary is further along and we started it as this is not a special uh, that students are going to. Um, this, the teachers don't drop off the kids and leave. We push in STEAM activities that everybody does together. We include content standards in every activity that we do. And one of the things that I try to push is that the teachers join in as the extra set of hands. I will lead the lesson, I will model, but I want the teachers to be there to experience the fun that we can have and also see firsthand where we can bring engagement across all these different disciplines. And so once they experience it, they tend to want more. That's great. So what have you learned as you've gone through there? Share with us some insights, some, you know, as you've uh, coached, you know, obviously you started out and you've evolved through, what do you say, eight years? So 
Yeah. So when I started, uh, I was a fourth grade teacher teaching math and science. And I started as just a, um, a STEM department head. And so what I learned from leaving the classroom and being someone who uh, drank the Kool-Aid and uh, I was like, yes, I love this. I can see why this is such a great teaching philosophy. And I just anticipated that everyone would love it just as much as I did right away. And that's not always the case. Um, you know, the traditional way of teaching can get results. And if people have good test scores, then they kind of look at this and they uh, are a little skeptical. And so they're a little bit harder to pull in. So some of my biggest lessons is that I have to celebrate baby steps. And for some teachers, what I celebrate is way different than others, right? If they let me come in and steal 20 minutes, I shower them with love. I'm like, yay, way to go. Like, I loved working with you. Thank you so much. You know, maybe I could come back again. Um, whereas other teachers, I push them a little further because they're ready for it. So I think that's my biggest piece of advice is you really have to, just like students, work with each teacher as an individual, figure out their strengths, figure out their areas of need, and celebrate with them where they're at. I love the idea about celebrating the little baby steps. You know, when we're working on this, you know, a STEM activity does not have to happen in science engineering. You know, you can do a STEM activity in music class. You can do a STEM activity in typing class. You can do a STEM activity anywhere. If you are listening to today's show and you're sitting there going, how do I start? I don't have a STEM coach. I just want something. Maybe maybe next week is a half day. I got a half an hour that I can do something with my kids. Where's a good place to start for just getting that first toe wet? I think really it starts with that collaboration piece. So I always just find go. I find one other crazy person. And there's always somebody, there's always somebody in your building that's just as crazy as you are, uh, that you can say, like, let's just do a 30 minute activity, uh, especially right now with some of the environments that we're in. Kids need to have fun. They need some engagement. And so do we as adults. So let's figure it out. Let's get creative and let's just do something. And maybe you're just bringing in two content areas, right? You don't need all four areas of the acronym or five um, at my building. It's every discipline, you know, science, engineering, English, so, uh, social studies, right? We have a eighth period STEAM class that is social studies, ELA, and tech. Math's not even involved. Science isn't even involved, right? So I would say that first step is go find another crazy person and say, let's give it a shot. And then no matter how it goes, share out your experience because there will be positives. People are not going to join unless they know that you're doing it. And there's somebody closeted who's just waiting for the opportunity. So try it, share it, let other people join you. You know, I remember last year, my first year at the middle school as a broadcasting teacher, and we had those half days. And I remember going down to the main office and asking our custodians to bring me three reams, sorry, three cases of paper and everyone's looking at me like why is the technology guy asking for 30 reams of paper and they all walked into my room like what's going on and i was doing that whole you know can you how many reams of paper can you stack up with one sheet of paper routine 
my kids loved it. Collaboration, communication, critical thinking, all of that stuff was going on. Amy, talk to us a little bit about your experiences here. I know you have a, a, a science, math, robotics background, and you're about to go into an entirely new building that is STEM-oriented. Have you thought or do you have any ideas of how do you start to integrate some basic lessons? How do you, how do you start to build a, a culture of STEM with your teachers who are teaching any subject that's available right now? Yeah, it's, um, I, I've done in the past like little mini types of um, what we do now is like project-based learning. So one of the biggest things about this school that I'm in is it's not just doing, um, let's do a bridge building and then we can go take a look and study um, engineers, civil engineers on how they actually build real bridges. I mean, um, throwing in some some economics in there and, and you, you have a budget and how much uh, do you, can you buy and to make to meet the criteria of the bridge. Um, but integrating it with project-based learning where it's a bigger picture. Um, that's something that I, that, that I need to learn how to become a part of that. Whereas I've done little things here and there, you know, like the, the, um, the tower building and, um, I mean, I've done so many of them. It's so hard to, I did a forensic science, um, theme based where we even brought in ELA and we had a court case. And once we had the suspects and the social studies teacher brought in that component of it, um, it, it was, it was a blast. Um, but now that it seems like now the whole school is, is, is very much steam oriented. Um, it's like a bigger picture now. So, so I feel like that I'm going to need a bigger role. So I would love to hear you know, like what you've done for your school? Like, have you done big uh, project-based learning? So, yeah, so we have done project-based learning, uh, but probably not as, as big as a scale as other districts. Uh, what we've tried to do, because we are such a small rural community and our school is our community hub, like we have um, one stop sign in our town and a gas station so that's like that's our town um so we are the community hub so one example that we did is started in the building because we were having trouble finding other projects that kids were hooking on to is we did our school musical and made that part of our content area and made that our project-based learning and the result was still real life the students still had to produce something that was good because the whole community was coming to the show. So we had our eighth grade researching, we did newsies. And so we, you know, we had eighth grade researching the history. We had our tech classes building the sets. We had our design for entertainment designing the sets. You know, we had our music department working on the music and the, the tech, right? The soundboards and making sure that all of those things were aligned. And so we had our English classes making newspapers as the programs. Instead of handing out programs, they handed out newspapers as newsies, you know? So we started small again. And going forward, we're hoping to branch out and partner with some of our local universities. And that's another suggestion I would give people is, you know, look at your businesses, look at the manufacturing in your area, look at your local universities and colleges. 
um, nursing homes, right? These people are looking for partnerships. So right now, we may not be able to go in there in person, but there are still things that we can do to help influence these different areas. And then you also get experts that know these different areas more than you do, who can help you lead your students into an experience that you might not know well enough to provide, but you're the stepping stone. That's great. Some great ideas. Thank you. You know, Lindsay, as as somebody who works in the STEM department, I know you mentioned things that are school-based, but some of the STEM things that are out there do require materials. Talk to us a little bit about a budget. Do you have a, a coaching budget for STEM where you can go out and find those bags of marshmallows and toothpicks and stuff? Or how does all that work when you really do need to find those resources to do the activities that are just a little bit off the wall? So we're actually doing that right now. Most of my day today was requisitions and budget. I am blessed with administration that really supports STEAM. It's one of our board goals. So my budget is probably bigger than others. Uh, But if you're working at a STEAM school or a STEM school, you may also have a budget like that. Um, So, you know, mine is pretty healthy, um, a few thousand dollars. But what we do is we have a line, a budget line for each individual not each individual, but each project that we're thinking of doing or each class. So we have a brand new innovation center, uh, like a makerspace that students can come down to use someday. It opened last March, not a great time to open March, 2020. (laughs) So, uh, So that has its own budget line. And so we did that on purpose. So as you're looking at building these budgets, I would think about your consumables. Obviously you're gonna be putting a lot of money up front to get the equipment. Uh, but we set aside about $5,000 a year just to replace the toothpicks and the construction paper and the hot glue and the hot glue guns, right? I'm curious what that looks like. Is that uh, petty cash? Is that order? Is that Amazon available? Like how, how how do you just go to the groceries? Like, what does that look like? Because every school district purchases things a little differently. Right. So we try to do as much in our annual requisitions as possible because then we get the tax reductions and all of those things. Uh, But that $5,000 that we put aside is something that we can do throughout the year. And that also provides me the opportunity to work with teachers because I don't know what their projects are going to be next year. I don't want to know what their projects are going to be next year. Right. If you're telling me in a year in advance what your project is, then you're not being inspired by your students you're not kind of flying at the seat of your pants, but sometimes steam is, right? Something inspires you and that's why you do it. Um, So I want that budget. And then I rely on Amazon Prime a lot Uh, because of our rural area, we don't have a lot of stores. So, you know, we really hope that they uh, come through in their two day shipping promise, which most of the time they do, so. Where do you get a lot of your ideas from as far as your projects go? Like, do you tend to um, do more of one type of category than another? No, I I really get my ideas from our department meetings and people don't even realize they're giving me ideas when they are. So I go and I ask, what are you doing? What projects are you working on? What units are coming up? And it's funny because a lot of the times when I ask, there's people from other disciplines sitting in that meeting too, and you can see their eyes spark. 
like, oh, you're doing that? Well, I'm actually doing this over here. So we actually ended up having a seventh grade and a second grade collaboration last year on archaeology. And it just, it came up on a PD day. We were sitting around the lunch table. And these two teachers have never worked together, but they said, oh, I work on this. And so that's so funny. I, I do that same thing, but in second grade at a lower level, we talk about fossils. So right there, a project was born. Uh, and so that's where those ideas come from, from conversations and from me being that annoying si voice on the side. Be like, what What was that again? What, what did you just say? Well, that's so funny because so-and-so down the hall is doing something similar. Maybe we should come together. And, and their ideas... Where that's where you coach them when they don't realize they're being coached. And that's how you evolve in the, when you do this for a while. You know, they don't even realize they're being coached by you as the coach. No, I, I hope people are listening, but I kind of don't because you're a little bit of a puppeteer. And I, I like people not knowing what I'm doing sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. I love being able to coach across domains. We talk a lot about that horizontal coaching concept of, you know, it's not the person you're with, it's the group that's in front of you. And how do you start to move all those things? And, you know, Sue, one of the things that we're also working at with our coaches is, is reading through this book that we're going to start to talk about here on our show called yes. Coaching Matters. And just flipping through the first couple of chapters, they keep talking about this whole concept that as teachers grow closer together, as they have, you know, lunch together, as they correlate, as they start, you know, bouncing ideas off each other, student achievement rises. And so being able to have those conversations in that lunchroom, in the hallways, it's so important to have that. But so many teachers now don't have that opportunity. Guys, talk to us a little bit about where we are. Um, Sue, I'll let you go first. Maybe we can go around. But where are your schools right now as far as the hybrid, the virtual? And maybe how are you as a coach overcoming some of those challenges of not being able to have those face-to-face -face meetings, uh, collaborations all at once, you know, non-Zoom kind of conversations? Sue, where are you? And then let's kind of go around the, the, the horseshoe here. Yeah, so yeah, Jeff is right. Those, um, you know, organic conversations that just come up out of the blue are sometimes more important than those orchestrated meetings in a staff meeting or a team meeting. But yeah, at our school, we are we are face to face right now. We were remote back in November and December, but we've been face to face the rest of the year. So we've had a little easier time than a lot of other people. But we still have to watch our social distancing and all of that good stuff. And um, you know, we still do a lot of stuff over Zoom, even though we're in the same building, but we're in a large building. So, you know, I might be on the other side of the building and the elementary school is way over there. So, you know, we still do a lot of Zoom, but, you know, they they still get to, as teams, they still get to eat together and being face-to-face -face helps that. So they eat together and they have those conversations over lunch. And uh, personally, as the coach, I use my Facebook group that I have, yeah. um, our um, EdTech Share and Discussion group. So I use that often um, rather than email because scrolling through Facebook, they may be sitting at lunch and, and they see what I've posted and that may spark a discussion. And then they come to me later and we can plan more. And Amy, talk a little bit about where things are. I know we've got multiple buildings for our different coaches. Um, have you had a chance to really figure out where those uh, uh, congregation spots yet are in the schools to kind of get to know people? Have you, you know, figured out where it is to start to have those conversations? 
Um, not yet. It's still um, a little bit early in the process. And, and one of the schools I'm in right now, a lot of students and teachers have been um, quarantined at home. So it's really been difficult to reach out. Um, I have um, started with the uh, library media specialists. Um, I feel that, you know, we, you know, we're kind of along the same wavelength and we are doing the same things and we're supporting teachers. So I've been developing um, relationships with them and meeting with them and they're helping me reach out to, um, you know, teachers who may have some questions as the new, these teachers are still trying to get to know me. Um, a lot of them haven't seen me yet. haven't met me. Uh, I'll be attending some uh, staff meetings virtually because it is hard to go around to the classrooms because then when it comes to contact tracing, I have to remember like where I am and so do administration, you know, so, um, mm -hmm. so it really depends on the, on the circumstance, but yeah, I'm definitely trying to get out there and reach and um, support whoever I can. Lindsay, where are you are with everything? Because obviously as a coach, you want to be making friends and colleagues. You don't want to be in the lunchroom having coaching conversations, but that is the best place sometimes just to have those, hey, how about that kind of conversations? What's your strategy, especially for anybody who might be walking into the building for the first time, trying to get their bearings? What advice do you have? What's your buildings look like? Well, right now, uh, like I mentioned, it's a, it's a small school, so we're one building. Um, right now with COVID, it's it's difficult because we are a hybrid model. We are not gathering like we normally do. Uh, so we're not utilizing our faculty rooms because they're quite small. And so we're not getting that opportunity to chat like we used to. So I recently started a uh, virtual coffee and chat time in the mornings. Uh, our Fridays are planning days for teachers with our hybrid model. And so we're starting every Friday from now on with a coffee and chat. And it's all on Microsoft Teams. So, you know, we're social distance and we're doing what we're supposed to. But it allows us to have those socializing conversations. But we're teachers. So we always start talking about the lessons and we always start talking about the units. We can't not bring it up. And so that's really where I focused my years of trying to figure out what everybody is doing uh, because similarly I'm avoiding classrooms and, and pushing in just for the contact tracing. How did all that start? Was that difficult or did you just send an email out that says, Hey, seven 30, we're doing this. Like what time, how, how, what was the genesis of all this? No, you know what? I got the idea from another instructional coach from another district and I really just put it out there and people grabbed onto it. I didn't think anybody would actually show up because everyone is so busy on those Fridays to plan. But I think the social piece really is what everybody's looking for. You know, right since March, our socialization has decreased tremendously. So the idea that they could just grab a coffee and chat with each other, even if it is virtual, they wanted to do. So it was quite easy to, to pull them in with that temptation of let's just chat. And how does it work? You have 10 people in, you have, I mean, is it all little chitter chat or are you leading a conversation or what, what's that, you know, what does it look like if you're inside there? No, it is very, um, it's, it's very casual. Um, I start the meeting and then I pretty much sit back, you know, teachers are chatty. 
uh, and the people who are showing up are wanting to chat. So I have to start the meeting and I say, good morning, how's everybody doing? How was your week? And that's pretty much all I say <laughs> and everyone else just takes over uh, until the point where I have to inevitably say, hey guys, sorry, like I have to go, uh, you know? And then of course it's, oh yeah, I have this meeting. Yeah, I need probably should start doing this. Um, but it's really getting it started and, and letting everybody take the lead. You know, that's great when you're a podcast host and your uh, co-host that are visiting can take the lead and move on with the conversation. This is awesome. What, what, what are you trying to say, Sue? <laughs> I don't know. They may put us out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys are getting a lot of great ideas from this, we want to hear from you. You can always reach out on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach. Um one of the things that we're all involved with here, whether it be, you know, whether we know it or not, is is broadcasting, recording, making videos, doing some kind of uh, media thing. It is a STEM subject, right? So if you have your kids doing the back end stuff, the front end stuff, playing with Wii Video, um, that is a subject. I know that's one of those things that I get a lot of questions about from teachers is where do you start with this? Um, Amy, you recently started a YouTube channel. You, you've been making these great videos. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. What are you doing? How are you doing it? And and as a new coach, where do you see this being supportive with your um, teachers as you enter a position your new position here well one of the things that we video being a popular tool in our district is something that i had to learn so i figured what well, was a better way to learn it than to create a youtube channel that had little short instructional videos for teachers to learn different platforms that we're using um and so with a lot of teachers i've worked with even before i became a coach um to try to go and teach them something new, it had to be in small steps, like very small steps. And giving something in such a large amount of time um, was very difficult for a lot of people that I've worked with. So I, I thought I would just go ahead and play around with Wii Video. I've only done like, I think I'm starting my fourth video, but it's funny because I come up with I, I discover something new. I'm like, Oh, well, that's really cool. And then I learned that I can do this and do that. And so, yeah, so I, I'm going to be looking at my 10th video and be thinking about my first one. And I need to go back and redo my first like four or five of them because it's just going to be horrible. <laughs> we grow but, as coaches and we see our involvement. That Thank you. There's another, there's another t-shirt from today. <laughs> I like that um, so Amy, you're using Wii Video. Like, what, what's your what's your thought process? What's your you know what's the idea here? Because you know one of the things I know that coaches figure out is how do we do it, but then how do we build capacity with this? How do we start teaching other teachers to then build their uh, instructional videos and stuff like that? I, your your videos are really really good and really short, really tight. I think. Oh, well, thank you. Um, well, you know, with when the whole pandemic happened and with the problem of attendance and making sure that students got instruction, um, coming up with instructional videos to go along with your teaching for asynchronous and synchronous learning, um, it would be just very simple, maybe Zoom recording or whatever, but coming up with something like Wii Video can definitely spice things up a little bit more and you can end up combining different types of um, content 
And um, this is definitely a tool that teachers can use in the classroom to work towards those 21st century skills for their students. And um, I mean, and, and students can even turn their projects into a video that could be now, you know, instead of doing a book report on paper, like, you know, when I was growing up, you know, now they can do a, a video uh, program or a, a newscast and be able to just create their own projects that way. And, and they're practicing some 21st century skills. Minzy, you also have a great YouTube channel. Talk to us a little bit about what you guys have it on over there. I think you call it Spectacular Classroom. I what, do. What, talk to us about here. Yeah, so I um, I had started it actually maybe last year or the year before, and I just kind of dabbled into it. I was like, ah, I think I'm going to try to make some tech tutorials. I don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, but then when COVID hit, I was getting ready to go out on maternity leave, and I was panicking because that was not the time for our building to no longer have their tech coach. So I said, okay, I need to make some tech tutorials. And so I created uh, or I really buffed up my Lindsay Simpson spectacular classroom on YouTube. And I try to do very similar to Amy, it sounds, you know, try to make some compact videos to show the different tools that we have, the different platforms that we have. And then I've shared them out with both our faculty as well as our community because our students are learning as well. And some of them are trying to learn at home. So they need something they can pause and rewind and rewatch. And, and so that seems to have been a successful way to help us fill some gaps and some tech skills. We will make sure that we have links to all of this stuff. And, uh, you know, Lindsay's got some great things. Lindsay, one more time, talk to us a little bit about the, the, the podcast. What's the difference between the two of them? What do, you, what do you talk about on the two of them? Where can we go to find all the, all the, all the podcasting that you guys do? Sure. So um, I have the Next Step EDU and in both of my podcasts, you can really find them wherever you like to listen, um, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify. Uh, but the Next Step EDU is with my co-host, Caitlin Bowen, and we are two instructional coaches that are really just sharing our journey and um, sharing out what we're doing. And every now and again, when we get lucky enough, we bring on a guest and, and share their expertise, too. So, you know, we both like to say we're not experts but we think that we grow the most by hearing other people's journeys and we are learners. So we always end each episode with what is our next step in our own personal journey of, of growth. So that's the next step EDU. And then behind the chalk is bringing on a guest every episode where we will discuss either an experience, a piece of research, uh, whatever the case might be with any educator from pre-K through higher education. So my first episode just premiered a couple of weeks ago, and we were able to have two professors that focused on uh, the myths of teaching and learning debunked. So um, hop on over there to hear that. But I also want to add in real quick uh, that I also podcast with my students. And so we've started using podcasting as a teaching tool, especially with COVID, because we can do it over Zoom. So we have GV Talk Sports, GV Talks Books, and GV Talks Steam. And again, you can find them wherever you like to listen, and you get to hear our students and what they've been learning about. We will certainly have that. the links to all of that stuff. That is absolutely mm -hmm. awesome. <laughs> 
Congratulations for all the success, everybody on here. It is certainly great to see tech coaches doing some amazing things in 2021. If you're a tech coach and would like to have your stuff and your students featured on the show, please reach out to us. You can, of course, find us over at askthetechcoach.com and check us out. We are the podcast with the new podcasting square, right, Sue? That's right. That's and right. so you're going to be continuing to do some great things. Talk to us a little bit about what we can find on your new channel, techimaginations.net. Yeah, uh, look for me on my website. Uh, look for my Tech Tip Tuesdays that premiere every week. And, of course, uh, blog posts uh, relating to our topics here on Ask the Tech Coach and, among other things, that's happening in my school. And you can also find me on Twitter at SV314DWS. Excellent. Let's just do a round robin here quickly, quickly. Twitter accounts, websites. We'll review everything here. Uh, Amy, how do we find you? What's your what's your handles and stuff like that? Uh, Twitter is just simply as um, the at Amy Fus, A-M-Y-F-U-S. And um, the, uh, the YouTube channel that I started is Teacher Tech Tips in Three Minutes or Less. Lindsay. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at lsimpson1220, and you can also follow the podcast at chalkedu, at thenextstepedu, and you can find my YouTube channel, Lindsay Simpson Spectacular Classroom. Susan. Techimaginations.net and SV314WWS. And of course, this wraps up episode number 124 of Ask the Tech Coach. We hope you, you guys have enjoyed this and are going to check out all the other great resources. Don't forget, on Wednesdays now, we have the brand new and returning Jeff Bradbury show. We're going to be helping you guys build your EDU brands. If you're a blogger, podcaster, speaker, writer, author, or even looking to become a content creator, we have some great guests coming up. We've got some great shows. We launched our first episode in a long time last week. And we're looking forward to doing some great stuff. So head on over to buildyouredubrand.com and learn how you guys can up your content creation game. And that wraps up this episode on behalf of Amy and Lindsay and Susan and everybody here on the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.